So, welcome to the Triple Threat Podcast. Today I'm pleased to be joined by a highly esteemed Liverpool journalist, former main correspondent for The Echo and now a reporter for The Athletic, James Pearce. Thank you for being here today. Hi Albert, how are you? Very good, thank you, very good. Well, I highly recommend checking out The Athletic. It's not a sponsored video or anything, but as a student I read it all the time. It's very, very good. So yeah, how's, yeah. Lockdown, how's lockdown been treating you? It's been a challenge. It's been you know, trying to be a football reporter for three years to write about is pretty challenging. Yeah, it gave me the chance to do some work that I wouldn't usually get the chance to do and yeah. some kind of nostalgic stuff and, and, and look back on some things. So, but yeah, it was, I think for everyone, it's been, it's been difficult, hasn't it? Especially I've got yeah. two young kids as well. So we try to work from home whilst trying to do homeschooling as well. And, you know, and then you had all the business with trying to check out whether the season would even you know, get back playing. And we didn't, you know, at one point there was all those rumours about Null and Void containing the season. And so, yeah, just, you know, in the end, just a relief that football finally back. I mean, I've been one of the fortunate ones who's actually been able to go to the Liverpool games since the restart. But, yeah, I must admit, it's pretty lifeless in the absence of supporters. You know, it, it kind of makes you appreciate just how important they really are to, to the occasions because, you know, Otherwise, sometimes it feels like you're, you're sat there watching watching training exercises in these in the empty <laughs> stadiums. <laughs> That's it's, it's crazy. It's, it's so surreal, but I guess we've, we've gotten through it slowly. To begin with, I wanted to ask you some would you rather slash quick fire questions. No problem. So, Messi or Ronaldo? Oh, Messi, Messi yeah. for me. Yeah, for sure. Win the Champions League for the seventh time, or win the league for the twentieth time? I that can decide. Is a tricky one. I can decide. Yeah. I think I edge towards the Champions League. Yeah, I I probably go. I probably go. I mean, I mean, one that I don't mind alternating each year. I mean, <laughs> win the Champions League one year. Just sounds like a good deal to me. I think we're sport. Yeah, for sure. What is your biggest pet peeve in life? In, in life, <laughs> <laughs> probably probably people that aren't honest and, uh, yeah. and forward. I think that's probably yeah people that that try and bullshit you. That's probably yeah. the biggest I think, I think probably in football, the biggest has actually been VAR in terms of just <laughs> what I thought, what I thought was actually, I must admit, I thought it was going to be great for the game in terms of, you know, it would, it would clear up some of the controversies and make things fairer. But to be honest, I just, I'm left scratching my head at some of the decisions with VAR. And, you know, of course, it's not the VAR system that's wrong. It's, yeah, it's, it's the, the people rules. that the are free, interpreting, yeah. interpreting it. I mean, the, the lack of consistency, it's probably actually made things worse than better. I completely agree. It's crazy. I was going to ask you on, on the honesty thing. So in your line of work, how do you ensure that, obviously, you're, you're known as a really reliable journalist. And some people call you bad news, Pierce, because you're just that reliable. But how do you ensure that, when you receive a rumour or some news, how do you ensure that it's not agents trying to bust and bring up contract talks? Or it's yeah, yeah. I think, I think the big thing is, is you always ask yourself why that person is telling you this. Yeah. And is there an ulterior motive behind them, them, sure. them telling you that? I mean, yeah, I, you know, I can think of some ridiculous ones that, agents have told me over the years that of course never been printed because you just thought I don't know I just <laughs> it's know it's not plausible there's no you know whether you're using it to try and get your client a better contract or you're using it to try and get interest from other clubs so yeah I think that's the big the main thing is you always ask yourself why are you tell why is this person telling me it? and then also you know you you would always 
get and get information stood up by at least a second source, if oh, not yeah, a third sure. source, in terms of is this is this definitely true? And then you know sometimes that's not easy to do, and then you have to ask yourself, you know, well, what's your hunch and what do you feel? And I suppose the longer you've been doing it, the, the more you get a feel for, for when people are being honest and when people are, are trying to pull the wool over your ears. And, and of course, you know, you know that someone has told you told you lies previously, and yeah. <laughs> you know full well to take, take with a pinch of salt the next yeah. time they get in contact about something. But yeah, the, yeah checking out rumours, especially I think especially because with social media now, rumours can spread so quickly. Yeah, like wildfire. It used yeah. to be the case. Yeah, it used to be the case that it might be like, you know, the guy in the pub who would tell his mate, who would then tell his mate. <laughs> but now, you know, with yeah, a rumour, you know, an unfounded rumour can start anywhere and within minutes, it's thousands of repeats and people are excited. And, and then, yeah, it's funny, the, the whole rumours thing, because then, you, you know, a lot, I get a lot of people on social media asking me, is this true? Is this true? Is yeah. this true? And they don't really want to hear it's not true. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're excited about a rumour. It's just a strange thing where then you end, I end up getting abuse of saying that something's <laughs> not true. As if, you know, as if as if I get some kind of kick out of um, <laughs> of crushing people's dreams when you know I think well if you, if you didn't want to know whether it was true or not don't Should ask me yeah if you, if you want to li- live in your own little world pretending that yeah that Jaden Sancho's on his way to Anfield next week then you know, that's absolutely fine. <laughs> What's your go-to cheat food? Do you, do you know what? Do you know what? Crisps is is a is a is a problem. Oh really? Yeah, I've been trying to. <laughs> I've been trying to been trying to avoid them recently because yeah, having I think having not really left the house. That's much, the problem. I lived in lived in shorts for, for three and a half months. It was only when I tried putting some jeans back on the other <laughs> week that, uh, that I realised that I put on a few pounds during the lockdown. So yeah, I'm trying to back. In fact, I've just just been seeing this personal trainer that I've signed up with to try and uh, try and shed the lockdown the lockdown timber. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, so I've got. Got to try and stay away from those salt and vinegars. 12 p.m., 3 p.m., or evening kickoff? I think, do you know what? It's difficult. I, I think, from a purely, like, in terms of the spectacle, um, of me says evening kickoff, because I just think there's, yeah. especially at Anfield, I love under the lights. something very special about games under the lights at Anfield. I suppose, from the professional perspective, and I also I think the lunchtime kickoffs, inevitably, the atmosphere isn't anywhere yeah, near as good because quite you know, you're talking about, you know, people who, especially the day kickoffs are horrendous. I think even even for, for big games, it, it tends to be a little bit flat because, you know, it's, it, the, the reality is the reason it's so good in the evenings is you get a lot of people who have had a few drinks in the pub for a few hours after <laughs> and, then, and then go to the game, which obviously you can't yeah. do for a, a midday kickoff. But I, I suppose professionally, the earlier kickoffs are better for me yeah. just because you get more time to think about what you're filing whilst for a night game it's all a bit more kind of frenetic but yeah no, I'd, 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 still, I'd still stick with the, the, the evening ones that, yeah they're, they're the special ones for me so laptop or paper you mean in terms of like during during, during the game yeah or? during the games how do you yeah, um, how do you document yeah do you know what laptop now yeah only, oh, really? only, in the, probably, only probably about two years ago I used to just always jot everything down in a notepad but yeah yeah I just in the end just found it was Easier, it was yeah. easier, to, especially when you were because when I was at the Echo, you were having to write into like a live blog oh, yeah. throughout yeah. the entire game anyway. So it made much more sense to just 
just type into your laptop and and then I, I kind of like after every game, all the notes I've made are just an email to myself, you know, under like a, you know, Burnley at home notes. Yeah. And then, then that would be, you know, at least then I've got them as a record if I ever need to go back and check anything that I made a note of during that game. So, yeah, the notepads have taken a bit of a backseat now. <laughs> for sure. Well, you mentioned it just there. So you worked at the Echo for 14 years, was it? And yeah, 14 you, years, yeah. You, you joined when we won the Champions League in Istanbul. And I, I saw that you left when we won it in Madrid. So if we want to win it again, apparently you're going to have to, you're going to, have to move jobs. But I was, just, <laughs> <laughs> I was just wondering, I know currently we're in lockdown, but what does a normal day look like when everything's like in, when normality is restored? Yeah, I think it certainly changed a lot my job going from the Echo to the Athletic because at the Echo, it was because everything was about meeting like a WebKit target every day, I would have to probably produce five or six things, five or six bits of content every day. So, you know, and ideally that would be a mix of you might have a couple of newsy kind of type stories in there. You might have a couple of comment pieces, you know, either looking ahead towards the next game or back at the previous game. There might be a podcast in there, do video or whatever. There might be some, you know, nostalgia, player interviews, coach interviews whatever so and it was pretty relentless in terms of you never really got that long to spend on anything because it was always they had all these kind of like web hit spikes where the idea was that for the Liverpool section of the Echo website there'd be something new at like 5am 11am 1pm 4pm 7pm so and then obviously going to the Athletic the, the one big attraction for me was they kind of said well look we don't want you to do five or six things a day. We want you to do two or three things a week. Oh, but, focus pieces, yeah. But yeah, but doing it in more depth, spending more time on it, speaking to more people and doing different stuff. So, you know, where before, you know, with a, say a clock press conference that you'll do ahead of the Arsenal game, I would probably have to turn that into three or four stories at the Echo and, oh, and, okay. use, every single, and use every single word he said. Whilst <laughs> with the Athletic, the idea is, well, look, 20 other media organisations will have those same quotes. Oh, so what's, sure. the point, what's the point in us doing something with those quotes as well? So yeah, so that's, that's a big, big difference. But so yeah, my, my, my day now tends to be always check in with the desk down in London by, by like 10am in the morning. And they usually know what, you know, before, before the start of every week, I kind of submit of a kind of a plan of this is what I'm planning this week. Yeah. You know, this is that, this is a piece that I think makes sense around this game or this, because we don't do obviously conventional, conventional match reports. Yeah. And, you know, I'm working on this interview, you know, um, you know, hopefully, you know, and just, just, and then, and then every day I will liaise with someone, one of the sub editors over the phone, just to, just to talk about, you know, what I've got in the bag, what I've got coming up. Every Monday we do our, the Red Agenda podcast for The Athletic. So yeah, that's that's kind of the, and then you know, obviously, whilst you're working on the longer term pieces, you're also making a lot of calls during the daytime to various contacts just to try and make sure you stay on top of all the new stuff as well. Because yeah. although although you're doing the in depth stuff, you know, you're also trying to get the news lines as well that you know, and and, and trying to make sure you you get ahead of ahead of other people. So yeah, it's pretty full on. So it's just a, a massive juggling task. <laughs> Yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. I think juggling is a good word actually because it is kind of yeah trying to get that balance right between you know it's not like working for a daily newspaper where every day every day at the Echo I had to have something to go on the back page. You know the reality is I don't have you know there is no back page now and yeah. 
doesn't have to be a news story every day, but obviously you still want, you know, people still want news, don't they? You know, it's, yeah, yes, yeah. in-depth analysis and in-depth interviews are brilliant, but people also, you know, want to know what, you know, what the latest is with ins and outs and who's fit and who's not. So, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a juggling act. I was just wondering because on one side you have a relatively dream job for Liverpool fans. On the other side, they always say, like, never meet your idols. Did this job make you lose, like, your love for the game? Or is, it, is that maintained? Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's, it, does, it does change things, definitely. It does mm. change things because I think on the one hand, you know, it was always my dream to write about Liverpool, having grown up as a Liverpool fan. Yeah. But, yeah, I think, I think you do then lose part of what being a fan is about when it is your job because, you know, even, even little things, like I think back to... You know that the fight back against Borussia Dortmund in the Europa League back in 2016, and yeah, you know, on a night game when you're really up against it time-wise on deadlines, and, and I just remember that night just jumps out of me because that is one of those times where you just think I should have been absolutely over the moon at like yeah. Liverpool yeah. scoring three times in the last 25 minutes, and and Lovren scoring that last gasp winner. <laughs> but the reality was just I pretty much. Yeah, I had to pretty much delete everything I'd written and start over again, and, <laughs> and obviously, you know, massively stressful. So I think, and then, and then, obviously, then you have, you know, there's there's always the frustration of, you know, and, and, you know, trying to get the access that you want and all the rest of it, and that, you know, that's a massive battle because, you know, these players and these staff members have never been in greater demand in terms of just how big the Premier League is around the world yeah. and. With like all of the all of the rights holders, all of the access that they get guaranteed, so it's become a lot harder. It's become a lot harder to get access to to players, and you know, it, you know, when I think back to when I started at the Echo, you know, within a few months, you'd have probably phone numbers for four or five or six of the of the squad. You know, I don't I don't think that really happens anymore. It's become it's definitely become more more difficult. I think to to get that access as as the profile and the club, the club has just, you know, has just grown. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was also really confused as to, uh, so you wrote for Everton, like beginning at your time at the Echo. How was that being a Liverpool fan? (laughs) Do you know what? It was, it was fine because I don't, that was kind of part of the, the kind of process in terms of when I, when I I first joined the Echo, it was, it was essentially kind of 50% writing, 50% sub editing and page design. Oh really? And, um, yeah. So it was, and to be honest, initially I was just doing the because everyone wanted to do the football. I was doing the sports that no one else wanted to do. So I'd go <laughs> and do the, the cricket and the rugby union and the hockey yeah. and the gymnastics and swimming and things like that. And it was only then gradually that I moved across to the writing desk more permanently. And then, so yeah, because I was just a general kind of dog's body. You know, sometimes I'd get sent to go and do Tranmere. Oh, sometimes. Okay. Yeah, sometimes I'd get sent to go and do Everton, you know, sometimes, sometimes Liverpool. So, but yeah, it was, no, I'd, I'd like to think that it never, it never clouded my judgment. I'd like to think, you know, when I, when I did, when I did write about Everton, it was, to be honest, I was, at the time, I was just absolutely over the moon to get the chance to, <laughs> yeah, sure. to write about Premier League football because, yeah, up until that point, I think they hadn't really let me, they hadn't let me loose on anything else at the Echo, bar the, <laughs> uh, bar the real junior stuff. <laughs> so, what would you say your funniest encounter with an interviewee or Liverpool player has been in your time? God, funniest one. I think one one that was was hilarious was when the new main stand was still getting finished off. So it was when 
it was, I think it was open for the, for like fans, but the actual kind of the interior was still getting done. So the yeah. new changing rooms weren't built and the players were using the kind of like, almost like porter cabin type <laughs> training facilities. And so we went back then when we were waiting for interviews, you were basically just stood kind of outside where pretty much now at the bottom of the ramp where the coach goes in. Yeah. It was just after Sadio Mane had come back from the Africa Cup of Nations. I think he generally just got back. So he'd been in one of the executive boxes watching the game. And of course, Liverpool had massively missed him. So I thought, you know, I'll wait around. He was like, it was way after the game. This was like probably a good hour, maybe even an hour and a half after the game. So you're waiting and waiting because you're thinking, it's a bit of a long shot. Like, I don't even know if he's going to come through yeah, this way. Yeah. But if he does and I get five minutes with him, it'll be a, you know, a brilliant back page story for the following day. Yeah. So you're waiting and waiting. And then Sadio Mane comes down. And I can see him walking down the stairs. So you're thinking, oh, brilliant. So, and he was with his agent. So I said to Sadio, Sadio, you know, great to see you. Have you got, have you got two minutes for the echo? And he, he kind of came to walk over. And then his agent said, Sadio, we're in a rush. We've got to go. And you could see he was like, he was like really caught in the middle going. <laughs> and, the, and the agent was going, we've got to go. So we, Sadio came over and he went, can I give you a hug now and an interview next week? <laughs> like, yeah, oh, if you want, yeah. Yeah. So, he, so he gave me a hug and then walked off and then that's, that's, like, that's yeah. a story for Sunday <laughs> yeah so it was like this is that's a bit weird so like yeah so then yeah my boss said to me did you manage to get Sadio and I was like well I got a hug but not, not an interview so unfortunately you can't put a hug on a back page so it didn't, didn't help me out that much on the complete other hand what would you say Liverpool have had so many characters over the years but what would you say the toughest interview you've had to do is? God, yeah. There's, I mean, there's been a few that have been really hard work in terms of, like, Nathaniel Klein was really hard work. <laughs> I, remember, I remember a couple of interviews with him where I think he just I think he just didn't like doing media. Yeah, man of a few words, just, yeah. Yeah, man of very few words. And obviously with, I just find, like, not, not everyone is really talkative and chatty. Yeah. And so, you, you know, so you try and tailor your questions accordingly and try and keep them as open as possible so they can't just say yes no <laughs> but yeah that was he was hard work even like someone like Ragnar Klavan as well he was <laughs> he was he was a man of few words and yeah it's funny because you know sometimes with some players you know if you're given 10-15 minutes it absolutely yeah. flies by and you're thinking oh, you know I, I didn't even ask half of the things I wanted to Watch ask the, yeah. and, then, and then there are players who you know, if they give you 10 or 15 minutes, you're actually thinking, I'm, I'm going to do well to even pad this time out. Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd say, like, Joel Matip is a man of few words as well. Yeah, he has no big. social media or anything. It must be really hard to reach. Yeah, he's, like, a really, really nice fella. Really yeah. nice fella. But, yeah, just, just quiet and unassuming and, yeah, diff- difficult to, to get information out of. So, obviously, as a writer, you've written thousands of pieces. But what would you say is the opinion you've given that's pr- been proven to be completely off, compl- proven you wrong completely? I think probably one of the worst pieces I wrote was, I think it was when Liverpool sold Raheem Sterling. Yeah. And I wrote that, you know, it doesn't matter because Liverpool have got someone even better coming Jordan through. Jordan Ive. I said um, the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> which, it's not much of a defence, but in my yeah. defence, that wasn't just my opinion, that was... Yeah. Liverpool used that as one of the reasons why they were prepared to sell at that price because they felt and and to, you know of course none of us have got crystal balls in terms <laughs> yeah. of how how these players' developments are going to go but it, yeah it's a shame really when you think you know he was so highly 
so highly thought of, Jordan Ibe, but now he's in a position where he's just been released by Bournemouth. And, yeah, yeah. Um, he gets still, back still relatively young in football. Too. Yeah, really, so really, really young. Can, yeah, so I really hope he can, you know, get himself sorted and, and get his, his career back on track. But um, yeah, that's probably one that sticks out. So I have this debate all the time with friends and everyone about the age of Liverpool team. And obviously nutrition, sports science is at its peak, the highest it has ever been. How do you think in the coming years we'll compare to how we are now? Because I think we have a look, we have quite a while left in the tank. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't because I think you know I, I see some things on social media about people already flapping about you know the, yeah. the front three are getting on and you know we need you need to have a succession plan and all the rest of it. And I think you've got you know I think what are they? Tw- I think all three of them are twenty eight now. Twenty eight. Yeah. And that's to me that's that's not even an issue for at least another two years. I mean, mm. you know, again, we don't know, you know, we touch wood, they will all stay as durable and as healthy as they have been yeah, um, sure. up, to, up to this point. But yeah, the way footballers look after themselves now is is just so, it's so it's different. You only, you only have to look at someone like James Milner and what is he, 34? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You know, every, every pre-season when they do the bleed test and all the rest of it, he still, he still comes Number out. One. Yeah, because yeah. I wrote a piece yesterday on the nutrition side of things. and But yeah, when you look at how football has been transformed, speaking to Jan Mulby at Anfield on, on Saturday about, you know, the last time won the league and the four menu choices, it was either fish and <laughs> chips, chicken and chips, pie and chips or sausage and chips. And, and like com- compared to now where, you know, they're working with leading universities all over the country to yeah. stay at the cutting edge of nutrition. You know, these are... These are like absolute finely tuned athletes. So, crazy. so yeah, I wouldn't still look at this little team and think, you know, that there's there's still massive room for them to, to grow and Im- improve. Yeah. And I think, yeah, but before Klopp, we've probably got four more years of Klopp. So I think at some point in those four years, after the team will have to evolve to a certain degree and they'll have to create almost a, a yeah, second team. I think so as well. Great team. Potentially feel not, like yeah, not, yeah, potentially not feel yet. like the way we play can might get found out or we might have to evolve into a different style of play in terms of how our fullbacks push on. But before we go, I have two more questions. And if you were to have full financial freedom, name your three most realistic transfers. I feel like I would pick potentially Kai Havertz, Thiago and Defense, a left back reinforcement, but I'm not entirely sure. What about you? I think, yeah, if I was if I positions, you know, a backup left back for me yeah. is pretty crucial this this summer. And I think you've got to be real. Like I turned on the radio the other day, and there was someone saying, you know, Liverpool should go and buy Ben Chilwell as a as a backup <laughs> left back. Like, you know, on, what, on what planet is that? You know, so I wouldn't be quite that. You know, I, I quite like Jamal Lewis at Norwich. Yeah, and I think he'd be. Yeah. He'd be someone who'd be relatively cheap on the basis. You know, of course, they've just been relegated. So I think you know, he might not be the most exciting of signings, but to me, that would be one that would make perfect sense. I think with, yeah. with Lovren likely to move on, I do, you know, I think if Lovren goes as it looks like he will, I think another senior centre-half is absolutely crucial. Yeah, it would be a mess. Yeah, I just think, with, especially with, with Matip and the injury problems that he's had. So... Again, I don't think it will happen. But you know, personally, I've always loved Koulibaly yeah, at Napoli. Yeah. I just think he's not realistic for Liverpool this summer. You know, even you know, I think they're still talking like 70, 80 million, aren't they? For, yeah, that's ridiculous which, money. 
yeah, I don't I don't see Liverpool paying that for someone of his age. But yeah, if you're asking me who I'd like to come in, I think he would. And then, yeah, I mean, the other one for me would be, I do completely agree. I've written this a number of times that with people saying that there is too much of a drop-off in quality yeah. between the front three and, and the, the deputies, and the backups. And that was why, you know, I was genuinely disappointed that Liverpool didn't decide to, to push Fun. ahead with their interest in Timo Werner. Yeah. Because I, I, I thought Werner would have been perfect in terms of giving Liverpool that fourth elite option, especially the yeah. fact he can play on like the left of a front three as well, where, you know, Liverpool are light in terms of left-sided players at the moment. So, so yeah, but of course, you know, with him obviously having already gone to, to, to Chelsea, you look around at those other options and, yeah, I, I do really like Jadon Sancho. I think, yeah. you know, again, I think because of the size of the fee, that's just not realistic for Liverpool this summer. Yeah. But if I had a bottomless pit of cash, <laughs> then he, he would certainly be, be probably my third one in terms of bringing him in. Because I just think that that area of the squad you know, Divock Origi, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a funny one, Origi, because he's like, on the one hand, he's an absolute legend of the club. Yeah. That, you know, will always be cherished because of the really important goals that he scored for Liverpool. But <laughs> yeah. he, he just hasn't kicked on this season, as we all hoped he would have done after scoring in that Champions League final. And I always think, you know, what how would you feel about Divock Origi playing, having to play six, seven, eight, Premier League games in a row yeah, yeah. if something happened to one of the front three and you know I think the reality is there'd be quite a quite a drop off in quality so before we go the last section is just some recommendations so have you been watching anything or reading anything recently that you'd like to recommend do you know what I've been I'm a, I'm a very very late on the scene with most things in terms of <laughs> with Netflix and stuff like that so I've so I, um, I'm actually about three quarters of the way through the last dance at the moment. Oh, it's very, um, very good. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I must admit, it's probably the. I'm. I like basketball, but I'm you know, nowhere near an expert. Yeah. Or, you know, it's more of a passing interest than anything else. And yeah, I'd say it's the best sports documentary I've ever yeah, seen. Sure, I can't think of many the better. Footage is unbelievable. Like the behind the scenes. Yeah. Access. Access and, is crazy. And, Absolutely crazy. Yeah, and the way. The storytelling of it, I think, is brilliant as well. And you know, I spoke to a few people who said to me, oh, I don't like the way it jumps back and forth. But I think it's actually yeah, really I, I, I love it, yeah. yeah. So there's that. And then I've just finished, actually, just before I went on to The Last Dance, I finished Breaking Bad, which was oh, a series. Brilliant. Yeah. Never, I again, obviously, it's been around for years, but it was one of them ones where I just never, ever got around to, to watching it. So, yeah, that's, that's been my lockdown viewing. <laughs> anyway, thank you so, so much for tuning in. No problem. Good to speak to you. Thanks so much. I hope your I hope your next one goes well. I'll be reading your your article later. Thank you. Thanks, Take care, mate. Cheers. Bye. Well, that's that. I've been your host, Albert Sarfo. Thank you for tuning in to the Triple Threat Podcast. I'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.